0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.
1: Hey, I'm Kelly McEvers, and this is Embedded. And so there's this book that recently came out by former White House staffer, Amarasa Manigal-Newman, and she says a bunch of stuff in the book. But the one thing that everybody has been talking about are these tapes. Recordings of Donald Trump using a racist word on the set of The Apprentice that she says she has heard. Remember, Manigal Newman was a contestant on the first season of The Apprentice.
2: We begin tonight with the war of words involving President Trump and his one time White House advisor, Omarosa Manigault Newman. Tonight, she's claiming she's heard a recording of Trump during his apprentice days using the N word and that his own campaign advisors
3: had been concerned about it.
0: No one doubted that he said it. And in fact, they had worked to try to suppress this tape for so long. And everyone says he said it. He's embarrassed. I don't
1: know it. what the scandal. No, he <laughs> said it. He's embarrassed. This is actually something that we have reported on. And the accusation is, in that first season of The Apprentice, Trump called another one of the contestants the N-word. And that there's an audio recording of him doing it. Mark Burnett... The executive producer
3: of The Apprentice denies this. Via Twitter, the president said the executive producer of The Apprentice assured him there are no tapes of him using such a terrible and disgusting word, adding, I don't have that word in my vocabulary and never
1: have. But then White House spokesperson Sarah Sanders was asked about the tapes and said this. Can you stand at the podium and
0: guarantee the American people they'll never hear Donald Trump uttered the N-word on a recording in any context.
4: Uh, I can't guarantee uh, anything, but I can tell you that the president addressed this question directly. I can tell you that I've never heard it.
1: Let me just say right now, we do not have the tapes, but we did do an episode about The Apprentice that we're going to replay now. And yeah, we talk about the tapes. Here it goes. Mark Burnett grew up in England. He was a paratrooper during the war in the Falklands. And then he moves to the U.S. He works as a nanny. He sells T-shirts. And at one point, he does this endurance race. And he thinks, someone should make a show about that kind of thing. And he makes a show called Survivor, which becomes one of the most popular reality TV shows ever. So, one day, Mark Burnett is out in the jungle, filming Survivor. And he's missing his kid, who at the time is in New York. And he starts thinking about the concrete jungle, Manhattan. And he wonders, what if we made a Survivor-style show, but about business? Like, where people compete against each other to work for a billionaire. So, back in New York... He calls Donald Trump to see if he'd be interested. Burnett and Trump had recently met at an event. And as Mark Burnett tells the story, Trump
5: says, come see me right now. He said a lot of people have pitched me reality show ideas. They're silly. They want to see me combing my hair, living in my apartment. There's
1: nothing smart about that. But this idea about people competing to work for me, Trump says, You know what? I love this. I want to do this. Go talk to my agent, Trump says. But the agent says it's a terrible idea. No way. This is Burnett telling the story at the National Prayer Breakfast in February 2017.
3: Mr. Trump stood up from behind his desk.
5: (laughs) (laughs) He walks around and said, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't I just give you my word? Didn't I say we were making this? We are going to make it. We're going to make a deal right now, just you and me. He said, and by the way, Norma, get in touch with the agent and tell him you're fired.
1: The new show, of course, was The Apprentice. This reality competition to become an apprentice in real life to Donald Trump. Like an actual job. Burnett starts pitching it around to the networks. And at the time, NBC was in some trouble. Its big Thursday night powerhouse, Friends, was going off the air. Back then, Jeff Zucker was the head of entertainment at NBC.
2: Being from New York, I understood what a publicity magnet Donald Trump was. So my thinking was, I knew if nothing else, it would generate a tremendous amount of publicity.
1: This is Zucker talking York. to The Washington Post's Lois Romano at Harvard last year.
2: Because you came out of New York, uh, especially in that era... You knew that he was the front page of the tabloids all the time, and I thought that that would be good for a new show that needed publicity.
1: Jeff Zucker was right. That first season of The Apprentice, the ratings were so good that Zucker starts introducing Donald Trump as the man who saved NBC. That's how big of a deal the show was. Zucker is now the head of CNN, which covered Trump a lot during the campaign. And he declined to talk to us about Trump. But last year, the New York Times magazine reported on how Zucker looks back on his decision to greenlight The Apprentice. Let me just read a paragraph in that article. Last spring, as Trump was steaming toward the Republican nomination, Zucker ran into him in the men's room in the network's Washington bureau. Trump was powdering his face before an interview. You think any of this would have happened without The Apprentice, Trump asked as Zucker moved past him. Nope. Sucker answered.
3: My name's Donald Trump, and I'm the largest real estate developer in New York. I own buildings all over the place, model agencies, the Miss Universe.
1: Some of you might have watched The Apprentice when it was on TV, starting back
3: in 2004. Some of you might not have. And private resorts like Mar-a-Lago. One of the most spectacular states anywhere in the world. But it wasn't always so easy. About 13 years ago, I was seriously in trouble. I was billions of dollars in debt. But I fought back, and I won big league. And I worked it all out. Now my company's bigger than it ever was. And
1: even though Donald Trump did exaggerate the show's ratings, the fact is this. Tens of millions of people did watch The Apprentice, especially in that first season. Before the show, people already knew who Donald Trump was, but The Apprentice got people to know him in a new way. Like, by positioning him as the ultimate prize, it encouraged us, the viewers, to want to be like him. And that him we wanted to be like was a character who was carefully crafted producers, editors, network execs, and the man himself. All this would be pretty interesting no matter where Donald Trump had ended up. But now, he's the guy with the nuclear codes. And a reality TV show, in part, made that happen.
2: Hey, this is Stretch Armstrong. And this is Papito Garcia, the hosts of What's Good. We're back with a brand new season. We've got Erica Badu, Lenny Kravitz, Black Thought, and more. You'll hear B-side stories from A-list guests. Subscribe now.
1: Okay, so let's back up to that point where NBC has agreed to do the show. And remember, at this point, reality TV is still kind of a new thing. Rob LaPlante was the casting director for The Apprentice. And he says the first casting call was at Trump Tower in Manhattan.
2: In the lobby of Trump Tower, which is now that infamous lobby that we all have seen. In
1: 2015, when Trump came down the escalator and announced he was running for president. Anyway, 2003, the casting call. And LaPlante says something happened that surprised him.
2: The first thing that I noticed that morning, which blew my mind, was the line wrapped around Trump Tower on Fifth Avenue and then all the way down 56th Street for blocks. There were a thousand people in line to try out for a show that no one had ever even known or heard of to this point. And that was my first introduction to the fact that this guy, Donald Trump, is something more than just a celebrity and a businessman. He is this hero. I've, I've cast reality shows and produced reality shows for years and most of the motivation for people wanting to be on them, even if it's a dating show, even if it's whatever it is, they, they want to be on TV. They want to get the fame. Rarely had I ever seen people who so legitimately just wanted to meet Donald, be like Donald. It was like, it was like a cult.
1: Like people showed up with their copy of Trump's book, The Art of the Deal.
2: The reverence for Donald was so intense that they saw only the money and the success and they didn't see anything else.
1: 215,000 people tried out to be on The Apprentice that first season. And at the time, LaPlante and the other people who worked on the show were stoked. Like, oh, if these people trying out for the show like Trump so much, then maybe the show's going to be a huge hit. We're all going to make a lot of money. Because those contestants who so desperately wanted to be like Donald Trump, LaPlante says they were stand-ins. For all of us, if they wanted to be him, that means tons of people watching. Maybe wanted to be him too. So the opening of every episode of The Apprentice starts with this song and this montage. You're all these fish islands shots of New York City, a close up on a Mercedes hood ornament, a stack of hundred dollar bills going through a bill counter. And then there's the contestants. There's like a headshot of each one while their name goes by on what looks like the stock ticker in Times Square. Most of them are young, single, good looking. There's fast talking Heidi, quirky and obsessive Sam, Troy and Bowie, the country boys, Kwame and Omarosa, both African-Americans. He's a Harvard MBA. She's a former staffer in the Clinton administration who says she grew up in the projects and has the scars to prove it. She, of course, went on to work for Trump in the White House, and then all that stuff we talked about in the beginning. Anyway, here's how the show worked. The contestants were grouped into two teams. At first, it was the men versus the women. They were given tasks, like go sell lemonade on Wall Street.
4: Wall Street lemonade, a dollar lemonade. How about a lemonade for a dollar, sir?
1: Or go manage the Times Square Planet Hollywood for a day. The biggest problem Planet Hollywood is having is you have thirty to 40,000 people walking across the street, but they're not coming in. And then, at the end of each challenge, the contestants would all go into the boardroom, which, by the way, wasn't the real boardroom used by Trump's company. It was a set built by NBC in Trump Tower. The losing team would have to sit there and get grilled by Trump, and eventually, one of them would get fired. The winning team would be announced, and so would their prize. Stuff like fly to Boston on Donald Trump's jet to have dinner. Sit at Donald Trump's father's table at the 21 Club in Manhattan.
0: This is where Donald Trump ate when he was little. How many deals have been made at this table? It is
1: a dream, it is a fantasy of mine to, to live like this. Or go see Donald Trump's apartment.
4: Oh my god! <laughs> this is like rich, like really, really rich. Look at this, look at you guys, come here.
0: When we went up to Donald's apartment, words can't describe how beautiful it was. Everything you saw was breathtaking. And we got to meet his girlfriend Melania, who was amazing as well. Hi! Hi, I'm Melania. To meet it's you. Nice to meet you. How are you. Like the ultimate prize,
1: was to get as close to Trump as possible, or to just live his life, if even a little. Not all the contestants felt this way. When Heidi Bressler auditioned for the show, she kind of treated it like it was a
5: joke. I was in a jean skirt and flip-flops and tank top, and everyone was in suits. And I almost left because the line was so long and I was going to miss my manicure.
1: At the tryouts, Heidi gets in a fight with a guy during a roundtable. That helps her advance to the next round. And she eventually makes her way to Mark Burnett, the creator of the
5: show. I didn't. I wasn't scared of Mark Burnett. And I think, yeah, He. oh, I know. He said, oh, your bag is fake. I'm like, I don't carry fake handbags. And I'm like, and basically I told him to F off. And he's like, would you tell Trump to F off? And I'm like, absolutely. If he called my handbag fake, I would tell him to F
1: off. And I knew. I'm like, from there, I'm going to get it. Heidi did get on the show. And then... That day, the women got to see Trump's apartment as part of the reward for winning a challenge. Heidi was not super impressed.
5: When we first walked into his apartment, I was like, horrified. (laughs) Horrified when I saw
1: his apartment. Because I walked in, I'm like, it's gold. But the producers did not want people to see that she was horrified. They were not happy with my reaction. He had a gold toilet. A gold toilet. I'm like, "Who, who does that? So the producers, of course, cut Heidi's reaction out. And they told her, you have to pretend like you love it so the millions of people watching will love it too. One contestant who did love it after the break...
0: Before you can start your day, you like to know what's happening in the news. That's what Up
1: First is for. It's the morning news podcast from NPR, the news you need to take on the day. In just about 10 minutes, listen to Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we are back. So, on The Apprentice, most of the people we saw on screen were people just like us. And their whole thing was they wanted to be like, or at least be near, Donald Trump. Because... What American doesn't want to be really rich, right? We talked to a handful of contestants from the first season about this. And the one who really helped me understand how this aspirational thing could eventually lead to the White House was Troy McLean.
6: So I was born in Alaska. I was raised in Montana. My mom was a bouncer of a bar and a truck driver. My kid sister is profoundly deaf and developments are delayed.
1: Troy McLean and his adopted sister were raised by a single mom, and they moved around a lot. Troy's mom would tell him they were between success cycles when things were going bad. Every time they'd move, she'd say they were upgrading. When Troy was in high school, they ended up in Spokane, Washington. Troy says he was fighting a lot, getting in a lot of trouble, and was pretty convinced he wouldn't graduate. And then his mom bought him The Art of
6: the Deal by Donald Trump. Not only did I read the book, I ended up doing a debate. And you do what's called exposé. And exposé, I did a narrative on the book. And I had this little red phone as my prop, and I picked it up. I act like I was Donald Trump. And I just remember that his day started at like 6 a.m., and it started with a phone call. So my prop was, I had this phone call. I tell the crowd, like, here's the Donald Trump art of the deal. Here's the narrative on the book, blah, 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 blah.
1: Troy became known for his Donald Trump routine, The senior quote in the yearbook was, Trump, I'm coming. Like, one day I'll be as successful as you. At one point, Troy even ripped the page out and mailed it to Donald Trump. 14 years later, Troy gets married. He's sitting at home one day, and this ad comes on TV.
6: My wife starts screaming. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, what's going on? Did somebody break in the house? Uh, What's happening? She's like, look, 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 look. And she's like, it's a job interview
1: a job interview to be a contestant on The Apprentice. At the time, Troy was making money flipping houses, and his wife talks him into making an audition tape.
6: I'm telling my wife, I I go, Honey, there's people that are going to put together professional videos, and there's no way. I don't have enough time. So we put together a video. I, I put a little camera a very old fashioned camera on the end of an ironing board. And I say, hey, this I'm Troy McLean. My my bride's asked me to do this. Let's uh look at the house that I just most recently sold. I developed real estate property just like you, Donald. I believe and I bought it for a 47 days later I sold I it for two hundred and seventeen thousand dollars in less than forty-eight days. And I showed what the I've cashier's done check done in the in the own. video. NBC. And Donald Trump, stop wasting money and get me to be your apprentice.
1: Troy gets on the show. And at one point early on, we see him out hustling, trying to get people to come into the planet Hollywood.
6: I've got $5 gift certificates off for any dinner or any drinks. And I've also got T-shirts for sale. Does anybody?
1: And here he is giving a pep talk to another contestant, Sam, who's kind of freaking out.
6: Sam the man, sit up for a second. Close
1: your eyes. Troy gives him a cowboy hat.
6: Now Sammy's the country kid. Think about doing a little fishing. You think about just kicking back. You got the mountains behind you. Everything's fine. Relax. Be the country kid. Be the hat. Thank you, Troy. You're welcome, buddy.
1: And you can hear how the show played up the whole country kid comes to the city thing. Here's a scene where Troy and some others meet Russell Simmons from Def Jam Records to pitch a celebrity auction. Simmons is surprised when he first hears Troy.
5: Yeah.
6: Where are you from? I'm from Idaho, but originally I'm from Montana. You're not self-conscious about your accent, are you? You can make fun of me with my accent. <laughs> That's all right.
4: Russell basically looked at Troy as if he was from Mars. You know, Russell is This
6: still bugs Troy. He says
1: he feels like people disrespect him because of who he is, where he's from, and how he talks.
6: We always felt like the social elite, even though we didn't know who they were... Uh, the social elite was holding us down. The social elite knew something that we didn't know. They had the fast track to success. They had the inside track.
1: Troy says he does not see Donald Trump as the social elite. He sees him as an outsider who made it in. This is another reason why Troy really liked Donald Trump. Not only did he represent success, but he represented someone who didn't let people talk down to him.
6: He had the arrogance and the cockiness, and he also had that stick-it-to-the-man attitude. Even though he had the nice jacket, the overcoat, the suits, he still had this, like, man, that guy's gritty. That guy is just, he's just grit. And he maybe tried to dress it up and was from New York, but we just knew. We're just like, oh, that guy's cool just because of that.
1: that. He's like the anti-elite elite somehow. Yeah.
6: He's a hustler. And I love him. I love that he's a hustler. He hustled himself a TV show. He hustled himself a gig. And I, had, I continued to go, whoa, that guy's genius. That guy's smart, man. He's able to game the game.
1: All of this stuff that people don't respect the working class, but Trump does because he's an anti-elite straight talker, is stuff we heard a lot during the election and after. But Troy was thinking this way for a long time. And if Troy was thinking this way, so were lots of people who were watching him on The Apprentice.
6: I bet those 20 million Americans a week that were watching it certainly weren't, uh, the majority of them weren't the, the Ivy Leagues or the the Harvard grads or, or the politicians. They were the ones that were looking to see if somebody like myself can make it.
1: 28 million people watched the finale of The Apprentice season one. That puts it in the top 20 for all series finales after MASH, Friends, Seinfeld, and Happy Days. And the next year, after that first season of The Apprentice, Donald Trump had the highest Gallup poll approval ratings ever. A lot higher than they are now.
6: Troy did not become Donald Trump's apprentice. I think it comes down to instinct and guts. And you can't teach instinct.
3: Do you think you have more instinct than
6: Kwame? Yes, I do. Why? This is his moment in the boardroom. Trump's trying to decide between Troy and Kwame Jackson, who has an MBA from Harvard. I don't have the institutionalized education, but education comes from other places other than college. No,
3: education's not a bad thing. This is a tough choice. Actually, this is the toughest choice I've had to make. I have to say, you're fired.
1: Troy says Trump never said the actual words, you're fired, to him in that moment on the set. Those were edited in later. Troy stayed friends with Donald Trump. After the show was over, Trump and Melania and Troy and his wife all had dinner at a restaurant in the Taj Mahal Casino. Later, Trump wrote in his book, Think Like a Billionaire, that, quote, guys like Troy are what make America great. And Troy voted for Trump for president, and still supports him, even though he doesn't agree with everything he does, like the way he talked about a disabled reporter or how harsh he is on Twitter sometimes.
6: Where's the going right in my truck?
1: Okay. Now Troy runs a consulting business in Boise, Idaho.
6: It's a country truck, that's
2: for sure. So we're walking my
6: truck, we're gonna go get a cup of coffee. It's kind
1: of a fancy truck, actually.
6: Well, this is a, this is a modified. Uh-huh. This is a, this is a country truck that's been modified. Thanks
1: he to takes that. me to his favorite drive-up coffee place, the human bean, and shows
6: me his gun. Uh, I'm a concealed carry guy, so you know, it's a pride of ownership. If I go meet with people in New York and other areas, it's like a, it's like an offensive thing.
1: But Troy doesn't care so much about what people think anymore. He still wears cowboy boots, but now they are really nice cowboy boots. And he'll tell you he's upgraded from a Seiko to a Rolex. So yeah, the contestants were a way for all of us to get closer to Donald Trump. And the producers were the way to shape who Donald Trump appeared to be. One of the main producers on The Apprentice was this guy named Bill Pruitt. At first, he says he loved working on the show.
5: My time on The Apprentice was a career high, creatively. We didn't have to worry about the budget. It was huge. Huge, as Trump would say. And um, that's because NBC ponied up for what they wanted and they got, and that's a successful franchise.
1: Producers got to stay in townhouses and take town cars everywhere. They had dinners at Tavern on the Green. Pruitt says what made the show so great was the fact that Trump had a lot of raw talent. Like, there was all this talk about how a contestant would be told they're being let go. At first, he was supposed to say either, hit the street, like, I'm letting you go, or hit the suite, like, go back upstairs to your apartment. You can stay.
5: And Pruitt says Trump was like, why don't we just keep it simple? I'll just tell you, say you're fired. I'll just say you're fired. And we're like, okay, okay. Good. Yeah, all right, fine. Yes, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We kind of looked around, yeah, okay, yeah. Sounds kind of simple, but okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And then the first guy, David, got canned, and it worked.
3: And David, I'm gonna ask you to take the down elevator.
5: You're fired. And then the second firing was this kid, Jason. Mr. Trump, I'm sorry to interrupt you. And Trump threw in what we called the Cobra, where he threw out his fingers and thrust them at the guy, Jason. Jason, this is a tough one. You're fired. And I remember in the control room watching. It was visceral. It was like he shot him. Everyone in the room went, oh, whoa, wow, whoa. So the Cobra became sort of a trademark move that he did beyond, you're fired.
1: The boardroom was, of course, where most of the drama happened on the show. And it's where we saw the most of Trump. (laughs) The room is always super dark. Bill Pruitt says they wanted it to be like The Godfather, and Trump makes sure only one side of his face is lit at all times.
3: Robin, bring him in, please.
1: Then he calls through his speakerphone to tell his receptionist to send contestants in.
0: Okay, you can go and see Mr. Trump now.
1: And what's so fascinating about watching the show now is that you see so many hints about Donald Trump's personality. Things that are super important now, like how he believes you should never back down in a negotiation, or that
3: loyalty. What do you think? Was she honest or was she disloyal by saying that? Is more important than just about anything else. Your disloyalty has been just terrible, and you sort of understood that throughout. Really, or just this
6: one particular task. Uh, let's
3: say it doesn't matter. I mean, it huh. was so obnoxious in this particular case. Tammy, you're fired.
1: Bill Pruitt says it was really fun shooting and editing these scenes.
3: So up to the suite.
1: Until Trump started saying really offensive things on the set. And this is where I need to tell you a Bill Pruitt story. One month before the election, in October 2016, is when the Access Hollywood tape of Trump talking to Billy Bush dropped. The one where he talked about grabbing women by the you-know. Bill Pruitt was down in Texas at the time, and a friend who'd worked with him on The Apprentice got in touch with him and said, why don't you say something? So,
5: Bill Pruitt tweets. I tweeted, um, as a producer of seasons one and two of The Apprentice hashtag, when it comes to hashtag Trump tapes, I assure you, there are far worse. And then I hashtag just the beginning, and I misspelled beginning. And what I meant by that was that we recorded constantly. We went into the boardroom to set up discussions about how and who should get fired without talking and saying directly who should get fired. So there was a big long exchange, all of which was recorded. And out of those exchanges came some really unfathomably despicable words said by this guy who was a TV star. I heard it, I watched it. And those things are somewhere, in some warehouse.
1: Those things, meaning all the outtakes from The Apprentice. Right after he tweets this, the tweet blows up. Bill gets bombarded with requests from reporters. And he wants to be really clear. He does not have the tapes. Merck Burnett has declined our requests for interviews. He has said he does not have the ability or the right to release footage from The Apprentice, and that, quote, various contractual and legal requirements prohibit him from doing so. This is the first time that Bill Pruitt has talked publicly about what Trump says in those recordings. So, sitting on his couch in Malibu, I ask him what's on the tapes. He can only say so much. He did sign a non-disclosure agreement. Was it um, just about women?
5: Mostly no, about women? Very, very much a, a
1: racist issue. It was about race? Yeah. About African Americans, Jewish mm-hmm. people, all the above.
5: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And was it just him? I mean, were other, you know, was it sort of a Billy Bush situation where it was like, yeah, man, I know what you mean? Like other people talking that way too? Like, uh, was it a
5: culture of the place? No, no. I think when you heard these things, there's the audible gasp, you know, that is quickly followed by a cough, kind of like, <gasps> you know, that, <clears throat> yes, uh, anyway, you know, and then you just sort of carry on. Is there ever a time when you think, I, I wish I would have told him not to
1: say things like that?
5: Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. It was not my place. I was one of four producers on an episode, um, and I was on hand to supply information if it was asked of me. So to be, hey, TV star, you know, reason we're all here, shut your goddamn mouth and don't ever, ever repeat what you just said to anyone ever. Of course, you know, you think that you go back to your hotel room or your apartment that they put you up in Mm -hmm. and, you know, you do some soul searching.
1: But he does not say anything. We should say we reached out to the White House and a spokesman called Bill's story, quote, the same recycled and false attacks. If Bill Pruitt struggled with what he says was happening at the time, he really struggles with it now. Because it's not just that they ignored the offensive comments. The producers and editors cut out other bad stuff, too, and they played up the good stuff. And all that helped create a Donald Trump who wasn't the real Donald Trump. Like this idea. Remember that thing from the very first episode where he said he'd had some trouble in business but overcame
3: it? But I fought back and I won big league and I worked it all out. Now my company's bigger than it ever was. It's stronger than it ever was. That wasn't entirely
1: true. Donald Trump's businesses were still in trouble at the time of the first season of The Apprentice. But on the show... It looked like everything was going great.
3: I have a home in Bedford. Bedford is an area where the richest people live. Best golf course in New York State, Trump National Golf Club. Largest windows in the city, highest ceilings. Everything is luxury, best of everything. Now the Trump Taj Mahal is the number one hotel in Atlantic City.
1: Donald Trump was getting paid a salary by NBC to have this huge platform where he could promote his businesses even when some of those businesses weren't
5: actually doing very well. The brands, you know, like Taj Mahal, it was enormously difficult to promote that because you walk in there and you see, you know, neons falling, it was the Taj Mahal or something, you know, there was no J because the neons were out. (laughs) They just hadn't had the opportunity to replace it yet. It wasn't a priority because the carpets were already rotting and, you know, it just stank to high heaven, so... But you mostly edit that stuff out too. Well, also the jet was, you know... Questionable question was whether it would fly that week. The helicopter was up for sale, I believe. We didn't know if we were going to have it next week. Huh.
1: But that's not the way you made it look. Not at all. In that opening sequence? Exactly. Oh, my gosh. You created a fiction, a fictional billionaire.
5: Well, he had been a billionaire. I mean, everything we said about him was truthful. It's what we didn't say about him. Do you know what I mean? It was a convenient uh, vacation of the truth.
1: At the time of The Apprentice, Donald Trump's companies had already been through four bankruptcies, and there were two more to come, including the Taj Mahal. But Bill Pruitt and the show made him out to be this wildly successful guy, having the time of his life. A guy who millions of people started looking up to and even wanted to be like. This is the thing that Bill Pruitt feels the most guilty about now. In helping make The Apprentice, Bill says he was a good con artist. He has the Emmys to prove it from other reality shows. And on The Apprentice, his con helped take Donald Trump all the way to the White House.
5: We told a story. We went with beginnings and middles and ends and villains and protagonists. And we went about the business of putting music and picture and sound together, the things that we thought we wanted to get up in the morning and do with our lives. And now all of a sudden we're here. A cultural icon emerged because we weren't necessarily truthful about our portrayal.
1: Bill Pruitt only worked on The Apprentice for two seasons, but he kept working in reality TV. He put two kids through college that way. He rents a nice little spot in Malibu with an amazing view of the ocean. And now he's done with reality TV. He works on documentaries. This episode was reported by me, Chris Benderev, and Parker Yesko. It was produced by Chris Benderev and edited by Neil Carruth, Jane Marie, and Tom Dreisbach. Thanks to the other contestants we talked to, namely Sam Salovey and Kwame Jackson. We also had editing help from Neva Grant, Janae West, Jonathan Hirsch, Rebecca Hersher, Brett Bachman, Arnie Seipel, and Mark Mamet. Fact-checking was by Greta Pittenger. Our lawyer is Micah Ratner. Social media help from Alexander McCall. Technical direction from Patrick Boyd. Our theme song is by Colin Wamsgans. Other original music is by Jonathan Hirsch and Ramteen Arblui. Embedded is executive produced by me, Chris Turpin, and Anya Grundman. We are working on more episodes, so keep checking your feed and Till then, hit us up on Twitter at NPR Embedded with your thoughts and story ideas. I'm Kelly McEvers. Thanks for listening.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Get your quote at Progressive.com and see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary.
0: This advertisement comes from our paid sponsor, Fundrise. High interest rates mean that real estate assets are available at a discount compared to previous valuations. The Fundrise flagship fund plans to expand its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. Add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio at fundrise.com NPR. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the fund before investing. Read the prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way, stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.